baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Thanks for tuning in to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, we're getting ready for the DNH Distance Run, a half marathon and 5K coming in September. We'll be meeting Lynn Conrad, Executive Director of the Rail Trail Council of Northeast PA. She has the information. We're also going to be finding out about an event coming up in Bloomsburg in September. It's to Back the Blue. Greg Bauer and Shelley Setzer of Three Dogs Vino in Bloomsburg have the event, and it will benefit three local police departments. The chief of South Center Township Police Department, Bill Richendurfer, will be here along with the chief of Scott Township Police Department, Ray Klingler, and the Chief of Police of the Briar Creek Township Police Department, Tom Frace. But we're starting off today with Odyssey's Frank Andrews. He spoke with Dr. Stanley Martin, the Director of Infectious Diseases at Geisinger Medical Center, to give us the update on the latest COVID-19 vaccinations and what's happening with the Delta variant. Honored to have with us on the line, Dr. Stanley Martin, Director of Infectious Diseases for the Geisinger Medical Center. Dr. Martin, thank you. I know you're busy. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. Happy to do it. Good afternoon. Now, Doctor, let's let's begin by asking you your appraisal of the current situation with COVID, the Delta variant. Where do we stand right now? What's going on, especially in our area? Well, we're on the upswing uh, in terms of the number of cases, as you probably know. We did uh, manage to bring our case counts down quite low back in June. Uh, we were down to less than 200, sometimes even less than 100 new cases a day of COVID in Pennsylvania. And since that time, it's been rising back up. We're now well over 2,000 new cases a day in our state. Now, is, is, that, is this still the, the disease of the unvaccinated, or is this increased breakthrough cases? This is almost all unvaccinated. Um, And we've done, of course, a pretty good job in the state of Pennsylvania with vaccination, at least relative to a lot of other states, but clearly not good enough. Now, Doc, you know, before you came on, I asked people to text in their questions. And I would say that 60 percent of the questions that are coming in are from parents asking about kids going to school. If this is indeed something for the unvaccinated, what are your thoughts on K to 12? What are your thoughts on masks? And there are a lot of people are saying, is it even safe for me to send my kids to school? Yeah, no, this is a very good question. Um, And it's one that I think a lot of us struggle with. Uh, You know, I'm a I'm a parent too, right? Uh, And we know that we want our kids to be back in school. They they function much better in the school environment. We want them to be back in school. It is best and healthiest for them in the long run. But we also know that there is risk of COVID there. 
And that's why it's important that we uh, consider if kids are going to be in school, that they all wear masks. And if they're at least 12 years of age and older, they should be getting vaccinated. Now, that brings up the question, and, and I know you've heard this before. We've, we've had, you know, medical experts. Uh, one, one of the guys that's the director of infectious diseases from, I think, the University of Minnesota, Dr. Michael Ostrom, which was an advisor uh, to the Biden administration, said, you know, masks are fine, but the masks the kids wear don't really make a difference. They don't really work. So what masks should the kids wear, and, and what are your thoughts on the whole mask thing? Well, it depends on the mask. Right. Uh, but we do know that masks actually do work, even prior to the availability of the vaccine. If we had masks in areas people used masks in the community setting, uh, it, they had lower spread of this virus. Now, we do have challenges when it comes to just masks by itself. Right. And not all masks are created equal. Right. Some masks, of course, are much better if they fit tighter. They do a better job if they have more layers they do a better job. And, you know, it's very difficult to get a six-year-old kid to wear a mask properly for an entire day. I think that's an inherent challenge for sure. And we know now with the Delta variant that this is a much more contagious virus. And we worry that just relying on the mask alone in some of these settings are going to be an issue. So you have to be thoughtful about symptoms. You have to be thoughtful about the social distancing. And again, at the end of the day, the most powerful tool, the most effective tool we have is going to be the vaccine. All the vaccines, the, the Pfizer, the Moderna, and the J&J, all in the same category? Well, that's a good question. You know, the to answer that question, you have to have true side-by-side comparison studies, right? And those kinds of studies haven't really been done. Each of those uh, vaccines have been studied independently when it comes to the Delta variant, and we see some various and different results. But one of the things to keep in mind is that a vaccine is not just there to prevent infection. It's there to prevent disease. And I know that may sound strange. What's the difference? Well, people can have an infection without actually getting sick. And that's the difference, right? And if you look at these vaccines in terms of their ability to prevent disease from COVID, they all do a very high job of that. Now, there's there's reports today that in the next coming weeks, we're going to see a big push for boosters for everybody. What, what, what's, what's going on with that, Doc? Well, yeah, I think, you know, this is something that we've been anticipating for some months now. We know that immunity from uh, COVID, uh, whether it's natural immunity that arises from the actual infection itself or from vaccination, uh, is going to decline over time. We've seen that with other coronaviruses, too. We've known this for some time, that people can get another coronavirus and they will have some immunity for a period of time. But after months to a year or two, it it, uh, it falls to a significant level, they can get reinfected. And so the assumption has been that's going to be the case with the vaccine or natural immunity as well. And we've seen that play out. And there are different ways to measure this, different ways to study this. One of the more common ways is to just kind of measure antibodies in the bloodstream over time. And we can see that they tend to decline. And we do fear that at some point that could lead to risk of reinfection. And so the idea of a booster, of course, 
is that you kind of boost the immune system to be able to recognize the virus and continue to stay on top of it. It's not unique to COVID vaccination. Boosters are something that we've done and looked at with plenty of other infections over the years. Does that mean that this is going to wind up being uh, every year you get a flu shot, every year you get a COVID shot? Is that where we're ultimately heading? <laughs> I certainly hope not. Uh, you know, the we would like to see this virus good and gone. Um, if we do not have enough immunity in our population, then it will continue to circulate. The fear is that by not having enough immunity in the population, you're going to continue to see new and different variants arise, right? We've seen these variants develop and evolve over time as a consequence of not having enough immunity in the world population. And it's possible we could see other new variants where, you know, we're talking about the Delta variant today, but, you know, a couple months from now, you and I could be talking about a totally different variant. And that one may be able to bypass immunity that we have from the vaccines altogether. Uh, and if we don't tamp this down by distributing enough vaccine to the population and having everybody sufficiently immune, this virus is going to continue to evolve. And it's possible it could become fixed in the population. That is a concern. Doc, when people are, are resistant to the vaccine, what are, what are you hearing are their reasons? I mean, you know, I went through a bunch of myths one time, you know, people saying that they put a chip in you and people talking about how it makes you magnetic and all that, all that crazy stuff. But I mean, what are you hearing from people who are, who are really hesitant to get it? Yeah, you know, most of the time people are hesitant to get it because they feel like there's not enough science to what's happened. They feel like it's not been long enough that we don't have enough understanding of the vaccine. Uh, and they, they don't believe that we have the knowledge that we do have. Uh, but, you know, these thoughts are erroneous. Um, the science has been done. We know exactly what these vaccines do. We know exactly how effective they are. We know exactly what kind of side effect profile they have. We know what long-term effects are present. Um, and so when people feel like, well, maybe there's gonna be some weird safety issue with the vaccine, they uh, are erroneously believing that this is the fact and it's simply not the case. Doc, we, we have a specific question here from a parent who said their 11-year-old daughter uh, was tested positive for COVID in the last school year and was quarantined and, of course, recovered. So does that mean that that child does not need a vaccine if it becomes available, does not need to wear a mask, and the antibodies alone will protect her? So when you get infection from COVID and you recover, like she did, thankfully, she will have some degree of immunity for a period of time. That immunity tends to be fairly strong for about three months. After that, it starts to wane. Now, to what degree it wanes and how much it wanes can vary quite a bit, right? Uh, so healthy young people tend to have a more robust immune response than say an elderly person with all sorts of other medical problems, right? But eventually, that immunity does wane. And by six months, it has certainly waned. And by eight months, it's pretty significant. 
And we do see from studies that having had COVID is not going to prevent you necessarily from getting it again. You will get it again. And as new variants arise, that produces another problem for the immune system. And so, unfortunately, no. The answer is that even though she had COVID this past year and recovered, she still needs to wear a mask when she's at school. And when she turns 12 and is eligible for vaccination, she should still get vaccinated. Dr. Stanley Martin, Director of Infectious Diseases for Geisinger, is on the line with us for the next uh, few minutes. And, Doc, after you and I began to talk about hesitancy, uh, a whole bunch of texts that came in, something like this. Uh, Frank, I I appreciate your guess, but I think the hesitancy is because the goalposts keep moving. First, it was get the vaccine and you're safe. Now it's get the vaccine and you're still going to get COVID. Now it's you need a booster shot. So we don't know what to believe. Now, when you hear that kind of stuff where where people say it just keeps getting more and more complicated, you know, how do you answer that? It does keep getting more complicated. That is how science works, right? We learn more and more things as we go along. As we do more, we learn more. And this is an evolving situation, right? This virus is not the same as it was when it first started out. Uh, And that's why we have to think about these things. But I want to point out something that your guests uh, made or in that text that's erroneous, right? And that is that this vaccine does not prevent you from getting COVID. It does prevent you from getting COVID. It does an amazingly good job of it. It's not 100%. Nothing in life is 100%. But this is about as close as you'll ever get with a vaccine. Okay, let's talk about vaccines and kids. Uh, you know, where are we headed and when do you think we're headed there where everybody is going to be eligible for a vaccine? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, and I have no insider special knowledge into some of the studies that are ongoing there. But I do know that uh, those studies are occurring uh, down in younger ages. Uh, and I would anticipate that we will see the age decrease sometime this fall. Uh, for uh, an increased eligibility for smaller children, uh, maybe down to age five, possibly even younger, um, as some of those studies are ongoing. Doc, a, a bunch of questions have come in here asking about the situation with Geisinger and generally with our, with our hospitals. Are we getting inundated? What, what's our status right now with patients? Right. Good question. So the hospitals are, of course, always busy <laughs> uh, because we take care of a lot of people throughout uh, the state, of course. COVID cases, uh, you know, had dropped pretty considerably. Uh, we were down, I think, if you look at all the hospitals in our health system here in Pennsylvania, at one point we were down into the teens with uh, the number of people we had in our hospitals with COVID. Since then, it has been steadily climbing back up. And as of this morning, we were over 60 patients now in our hospitals with COVID throughout the system. And unfortunately, as the cases in Pennsylvania continue to climb, we're going to expect that to be what we're going to see in our hospitals. And are, and are the, the people who are hospitalized still the people who have underlying conditions? And, and what about children? Are we seeing children hospitalized? We are. Uh, the answer to, to, to those questions are that uh, we see more and more younger people being admitted with COVID. In part, that is because, of course, older people have been much more likely to be vaccinated. And they've gotten vaccinated and they are protected. And We are seeing that, of course, amongst younger people, there is much more hesitancy to get vaccinated. 
they are the ones who are getting this infection and they're the ones who are winding up in the hospital as a consequence. And if you look at the, what we would call comorbidities, that's our fancy term for the kind of underlying medical problems people might have, which increase their risk for doing poorly with COVID, we see that that percentage has dropped considerably. And that, again, it's not just a younger population, but a generally healthier population that's being admitted to the hospital with this infection. And yes, unfortunately, we are certainly seeing much more children being admitted to the hospital with COVID. And we particularly worry about that as we look to the fall and we start to see other respiratory viruses starting to rear their head again, uh, including something called RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, which is a respiratory virus, which can be particularly problematic in children. Do you support or do you see us getting to a mandatory vaccine point? When you say we, you're talking about... CDC, government, yeah, uh, whatever. I don't see how the government could mandate the entire population getting vaccinated. Uh, I think we're seeing more and more areas that are going to require vaccination. Schools, universities, businesses, health systems... Uh, I think branches of government and their employees, right? We're already seeing all of that begin to evolve. And I think we're going to continue to probably see that picture grow. Well, Doc, I, I appreciate your time. I know how busy you've been. I know how long it took us to schedule. Thank you for taking time out of your day to answer our questions, Dr. Stanley Martin. Oh, happy to do it. Stay safe, everybody. Thank you. Once again, thanks to Odyssey's Frank Andrews and Dr. Stanley Martin, Director of Infectious Diseases at Geisinger Medical Center. Now, don't go away. We're going to find out about a Back the Blue event that's coming to Bloomsburg at Three Dogs Vino next here on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. Now we're going to hear about an event coming in September to Back the Blue. Greg Bauer and Shelley Setzer of Three Dogs Vino in Bloomsburg are sponsoring the upcoming event and it will benefit the three police departments in their area. South Center Township Police Department, Scott Township Police Department, and the Briar Creek Township Police Department. Where, when, all the fun, and who are those three dogs? Three dogs is because we have the three. We had three dogs when we originally opened six years ago. There was a lab, a miniature American Eskimo, and a Springer Spaniel, and they were our greeters when people showed up. Six years, okay. And where are you located? We are 129 Hyde Church Road in Bloomsburg. So, give us an overview. What exactly happens there? Well, for our Rebecca Blue event, we are going to have three bands, food trucks, vendors. It runs from noon till six. And we will have also a distillery here and a brewery here. Tell us about here. What do you have there normally? We have a bunch of dry breads. We have sweet wines. We have white wines. Our hours on Thursdays and Fridays are 4 to 7, Saturdays noon to 7, and Sundays noon to 5. And we have a big pond for people to sit sit down by and enjoy uh, pavilions. All right. Let's talk to our, our chiefs and tell us a little bit yeah. about how they have benefited for the, because this is not the first time they've done this event. We're going to start with Bill Richendurfer. He's the chief of the Scott Township Police Department. 
And it's the second annual. And what happens there, Bill? Well, we were glad to have Greg and Shelley. Uh, they, they actually came to us last year and said they wanted to do this because of the uh, current state of events with police departments across the country. And we agreed. And last year, I think we had close to 500 people show up and support the three local police departments. And we're looking forward to a bigger and better turnout this year. Now we'll introduce you to the chief of the Briar Creek Township Police Department, Tom Frace. Now you're involved in this fundraiser. You are uh, you've been involved in the fundraiser before. And Bill was telling us a little bit about what it means to their department. So what does it mean to your department when people come out and they're able to do things like this and they're backing the blue? The support means so much to all of our officers uh, just to uh, give us a reinsurance that uh, we're we're welcome and we're needed and and, and we're a good part of the community. And when you have the opportunity, because I'm assuming that you and and other members of your department are there the day of the event, what does that mean then when people are actually there and they see you and come up to you and talk to you and you because you folks have been taking an awful lot of heat. Yeah, it's an awesome feeling. Just, uh, you know, we just want everybody to know that all of our officers are approachable. Uh, you know, come up, talk with us, have a good time. I enjoy the festivities here. And uh, it's just a great feeling. The third department benefiting from the Back the Blue fundraiser, the chief of Scott Township Police, Ray Klingler. You know, with with so many things changing and here you are going to be involved in something like this. What's the focus of your department on trying to get the word out to people in your community that you're really there to help them? Well, the focus for us is that we do a lot with the communities. We try to get out to the kids in our area. Uh, we just want people to know that we're open. We're open to the people coming to the departments and seeing it, meeting the guys. Uh, at this event, we'll have a lot of our officers will be here. So the people in the community get to know, know newer officers that have just started or even the older guys that they've never met. But we, we try to reach out more and more to get into our communities because I think that's what's needed throughout the country. When you're talking about that, especially talking about young people, uh, I know a lot of departments, just like a lot of businesses, are low on staff. And in your profession, that's an even tougher one to fill. But what would you Mm -hmm. say to young people at this point in time who are and, and, you know, growing up in the world that we're in now and seeing what's going on? What would you say to them if if they're even thinking about getting involved in law enforcement? Well, I'd, I'd say you know keep keep it in mind. We are very it's very hard to, to get officers now, just because everything everything going on in the country. But it's still a wonderful job, and it, like I said, you're in the community every day, helping people, which you know a lot of younger kids that's what they want to do. So they should always keep it open, you know, for no deal. Plus, there's so many jobs that are available part-time full-time not just in our area but throughout the country and you know it's a good opportunity and they should you know pursue it they need any help like we talk to a lot of kids about it uh, we're always asked when we have events you know about the job and what it entails and we try to keep them informed and tell them what it's about hopefully they'll pursue it It'll be a good good career chief reichendifer also weighing in 
we encourage them and we really put the, the efforts towards community service and community policing. Let them know that uh, we, we live in an area and we're, where we're respected still in this, in this part of Pennsylvania. And it's not always negative. You're only seeing a little bit. You're only seeing a couple percent that's happening across the country. It's only a small percentage of what police officers really do. And it's like any other profession. There's, there's always a, a few bad ones. But 99% of your police officers across the country are here to do the right thing and for the right reasons. And we always try to encourage them to you know, go to, to get the academy, come out and be positive. And we're going to teach you how to be positive and how to do the community service and how to do the community policing. What would you give as examples of some of the good reasons that you have been a police officer for how long? I've been a police officer for a little over 33 years. So you must have seen and a lot of good. A lot of good and a lot of bad as far as the calls and stuff to go on. But the good thing is we're here every day to help the, to help the citizens that we serve in both of our municipalities. Uh, we are here every day to go to ambulance calls, fires, just not police calls. We're here to help in any manner that we can. Does one incident stand out in your mind that when you got done at, through the at the end of the day, you said, wow, it was a really good day and I'm glad I was there? No, nothing really stands out at this point. I mean, every day, every day is a good day and you have a couple bad ones in between. But as long as we're out here helping and serving, that every day is a good day. Okay. Anything else that you would like to offer? Uh, no, just come out to the event, spend the day. Um, get to know our local police officers and the owners of the winery, and uh, it, it's going to be fun. Tom Frace, Chief of Police of Briar Creek Township, how long have you been in law enforcement? I've been here 29 years. Okay, and in those 29 years, is there anything that stands out as as you finished a day that you said, "Wow, I'm I'm going to look back on this because this was this was really a good reason why I was here." Not, not nothing in particular, but every day that every one of us goes home safe, and uh, that's a good day for us. We're going to have some folks from your department on and September 18th, right? Absolutely. Yep, we'll be here. Come on out and meet uh, you know, the officers of Briar Creek, and uh, we also cover North Center where the uh, winery is located here. So it's a good opportunity to meet all of the officers. And Ray Klingler, the chief of the Scott Township Police Department, how long have you been in law enforcement? Uh, be a little over 31 years. So again, I'm going to ask you the same as I asked the other two. Is there an incident? Because I'm sure you can probably rattle off a whole bunch of not so nice ones. One thing I can tell you, we in handling a lot of calls, some that are extremely bad to good. What helps us and what's helped me over the years is the, the thanks from some people. Yeah, there'd be a lot of calls that go on, like death calls, where uh, a loved one passed away and so forth. And the uh, the people remember you, you know, years after they see you in the store or something, they thank you for our help. And because it's such a dramatic incident for anyone when that occurs. So I'd say that more than anything, the thanks to the people. You see them out, they thank you when you're in a, a store for our service, which means a lot. And you're hoping to see a lot of those folks on September 18th? Yes, we do come out and enjoy. It's a wonderful winery. The wines are great and the people are great. There'll be music and food and it's just a good time all the way around for the families and for the officers, too. 
and it helps our community. A big thanks again to Bill Richendurfer, the chief of South Center Township Police Department, the chief of the Scott Township Police Department, Ray Klingler, and the chief of police of Briar Creek Township, Tom Frace. Now we're going to get back to Greg and find out more about Three Dogs Vino. If somebody comes into your business, what exactly are they going to see? Well, they're going to be greeted by Sid, our Springer Spaniel, and they're going to have to learn how to play with her because she will teach them how to play. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll see me and Shelly smiley face behind the bar. And when people are, I know, uh, especially uh, visiting some wineries, things like wine slushies, or, and do you make your own yep. things and come up with your own we creations? Do. We have a different, we try to do a different one every weekend. Uh, we just try to think about it and get people give us ideas and then I have to figure out how to make it. Uh, we also talk about the benefit. Maybe you can once again give us the where and the when and the time and donations or how all of that works. And um, I know that you, you raised a lot of money in the past, so you're hoping to bring out even more people this year. So when and where is it? It is September 18th, 12 p.m. till 6 p.m. at 129 Hydley Church Road in Bloomsburg at Three Dogs Vino. Because of our police officers, it's our thank you to them. We will have raffle baskets. We'll have a donation. So if people want to donate and we go to the local business to donate for our raffles and stuff. Are you still and taking everyone... donations? Yes. How would someone get in touch with you? 570-204-5621 or 570-204-0895. They would like to donate and on our Facebook page. And a website. You're the host along with Shelly, so you tell everybody that you'd like to see them come to the event. Again, September 18th at Three Dogs Vino, 129 Hedley Church Road. They will be greeted at uh, when they come in. Uh, we'll have a tent so they can come in. And we have uh, commemorative uh, wine glasses that will be given out. And they can come in, do a tasting, tasting here at Three Dogs Vino, do a tasting at Jackass Distillery, and Rock God Brewery. Everyone should bring their lunch chairs and stay for the day. And the, and the tastings are included in the fee to get in. It is $15 for a single or $25 for a couple. Once again, thanks to Greg Bauer and Shelly Setzer of Three Dogs Vino in Bloomsburg and their upcoming event on September 18th to Back the Blue. It will be happening at Three Dogs Vino, and all the proceeds will benefit Scott Township, South Center Township, and Briar Creek Township Police Departments. And you can find Three Dogs Vino at 129 Hilday Church Road in Bloomsburg. Check out their Facebook page and their website for more information. Now, don't go away. We're going to be taking on the trail next on Special Edition. Next on Special Edition, the trail of the year is right here in Northeast PA. Lynn, welcome. Nice to have you here with us. And you are going to be telling us about a big upcoming event in September. But first, what is this that I'm hearing that right in our own backyard, we have Pennsylvania's 2021 Trail of the Year? Where is this? Yes. How about that? We were nominated and we won the uh, distinction of being Pennsylvania's Trail of the Year. 
And of course, it's right here in the eastern side of Susquehanna County. And we go into, start in Lackawanna County. It swings out into Wayne. So we have a 38-mile trail that starts in Simpson, just above Carbondale. And at that point, it connects to the south to the Lackawanna River Heritage Trail. But our trail goes to the north through Forest City, Uniondale, Herrick, Thompson, Soraka, uh, Lanesboro, and it ends at the New York border, just below Windsor, New York. And that's 38 miles of trail. That's a lot of trail. And it's the DH Rail Trail, correct? Yes, D and H, which stands for Delaware and Hudson. When the railroad was built, it was meant to connect coal to the Delaware River and then over to the Hudson River. So that's why they they named it that. It was an active rail line at that point in time. It was an active rail line starting in 1870, and it closed down. They started taking up the rail about 1980-81, and we purchased it from the railroad in 1991. Because once you purchased it, then what happened? You mentioned that they started taking up the the rail, but you have done so many things. Right. The rail was taken up right before we purchased it. So it was sort of like in a bankruptcy corporation of the railroad to get coal, mostly anthracite coal, out of this region. And little by little, they all closed down. So the National Park Service did a study of which were the most feasible railroads to turn into recreational trails. And the D&H got the highest mark because it was intact, an intact 38 miles. But we were lucky to buy an intact one-piece railroad, old railroad abandoned. Working on it a a long time. I understand that most of this has been or all of this has been volunteers? Our board is all volunteers. I started as a volunteer, but now I'm a paid position. We could not do this on on our own. Most of our improvement funds come through the state, the State Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. There's also federal funds. Every state Department of Transportation sets aside a little percentage of their highway dollars for trails and sidewalks and non-traditional means of transportation. So we were lucky to get some of those funds early on to help us purchase the rail bed. I'm always grant writing. When you're making the changes and the improvements to the trail, one of the things that caught my eye was the fact that we do have many beautiful trails here throughout Northeast Pennsylvania, and we always hear bicycles and hikers and walkers and runners, but you have on your list snowmobilers? Yes, that is uh, probably one of the reasons we got this award is because we are a multi-purpose trail, and we have been working with the Snowmobile Club Northeast PA Snow Trails, since the beginning, since 1991 on, we work together to plan maintenance jobs in the summer. They work all year round to help us maintain the trail. 
because maintenance is always an issue. And it's become more of an issue with these violent storms that we've had. I have trees down and ditches filled with water. And so I do rely on them quite a bit. And we also allow horses, which is another reason why, um, you know, we're considered multi-perfect. I didn't know that. Yes. Uh, we have different trailheads that are large enough for people with horse trailers to, you know, to pull in and turn around easily and park. Yeah, it is used for horses as well. I love to see horses out on the trail. And one of the things that you have coming up is the DNH Distance Run 5K. And welcome back to that. What happened there? Right. Sounds to me like COVID. Oh, exactly. We thought last year we we better not bring a whole lot of people together. Even though the trail, once you get started in a race, you're going to spread out. Just a, a decision we made, as, as many did. What we did instead was we did a challenge. You go out and you either bike, walk, run, or bike. And you got a t-shirt. And you can do it the whole month of September. And we're going to continue that. We're going to do a bike challenge the whole month of September, which is Pennsylvania's trail month. But the D&H distance run is back, and that's a half marathon. That's 13.1 miles. And it starts in Forest City, and it goes north along the trail. And when it gets just above Uniondale, you turn around and you come back down and you end back in Forest City. So it's an out and back. The grade is slightly uphill. It doesn't look uphill, but when you turn around and and come back down, you do feel it. It's a great half marathon for beginners who've never done that sort of distance. And we uh, look forward to uh, always having new people out on our trail and start to enjoy it. You also still draw from neighboring states and also some other places, but most of your most of the people that do take part are local, right? Yes, most of them are local, and most of them are aware of the trail and use it for training. We scheduled this event to be five weeks before the Steamtown Marathon. So if you're training for a full marathon, you should be doing a half marathon about five weeks ahead of time whether it's on your own or in some sort of, you know, competitive situation. So we do get people who are local, training for Steamtown. But we also get people from New York, New Jersey. You know, we're not that far from either of those states. We do like to celebrate people who are from out of the area as well. And since it is coming back this year for anybody who uh, didn't have the opportunity to ever take part in it before or those who did take part before may be wondering, are there going to be changes? So how do we go about getting uh, the information? How do, When do we have to sign up by? All that kind of good stuff, Lynn. Not a whole lot of changes. We're probably going to have our packet pick up. We're going to lengthen that time so that we don't get a whole lot of people at one time coming to pick up what you know what they need their their numbers and their race packet. Right now, you can sign up. You can either go to our website, which is N E P A Rail Trail with an F dot org, and right on our homepage is a link to get 
be registered. They are our registration company that we're using. You can either register online that way, or there will be a brochure on our website that you can download and, and just send it in. So at this point, uh, registration for the uh, half marathon is $45 by August 16th. If not, you can show up the day of or even send it in later, but the price goes up. The price goes up to 60 When people are getting interested in things that are happening up there, and you mentioned your website, is that also where they can find any certain events or anything like that? Yes. Our website is pretty up-to-date with events. We do have bike events, uh, hiking events. We try to do a historical stroll type event. All our events are on there. There is a good map of the trail on there. There's a way to contact us on our website. So, you know, you can send us any questions. You can become a member. Membership is voluntary, but it does help us to match some of our grants. Any grants to improve the trail requires a match of either 20% or 50%, up to 50%. And a lot of the information about what our plans are. So of our 38 miles of trail, 20 are improved. So you can get on the trail in Carbondale and ride your bike or run or walk for 20 miles up and then 20 miles back down. So that 40 miles is actually starting to attract people from out of the area. You know, that they'll, they'll drive here two or three hours to be able to kind of get out on the trail and spend the day. Our website is a great place to find out a lot of information. You mentioned improvements. What have you been doing during uh, COVID in order to make improvements on the trail that people who are regulars might just come across and say, oh, well, look at this? Yes, we, you know, of course, continue to write grants and and try to get some projects done. Uh, Most of our improvements have come in the southern half of the trail from Carbondale up 20 miles, which is Ararat, which is the high point of our trail in elevation. But now we're starting to work on the northern section of the trail, the section that's up by Susquehanna, Lanesboro. The Starucca Viaduct is up there, which is that railroad bridge built by the Erie Railroad of bluestone. There are 17 arches of bluestone that still carries a railroad across it. We go under that Starucca Viaduct. So that's the part of the trail that we're improving right now. We have three ramps that we're all working on at the same time to improve the surface, to improve the drainage, to put up signage. We're putting in a trailhead. We are putting in a pedestrian bridge where, unfortunately, a railroad bridge was taken out across the Starucca Creek. So the improvements are happening up in the northern section of trail that is so beautiful because it goes along the Starucca Creek, it goes under the Starucca Viaduct, and then it goes along the Susquehanna River. Kind of a different feeling up there, and we're excited to see that begun, but I'm imagining it won't be actually finished until next spring. 
And what are some things that we who hearing about this now are going to say, this sounds like someplace we need to go to and spend a couple of hours and enjoy and get into the outdoors. What are some of the things that maybe we can do in order to help you? Become a member. Like I said, membership is voluntary. We have, you know, a family membership, an individual membership, senior membership. Uh, like a, a regular individual is $20 a year. And that, like I said, helps us to match our grants. We need cash matches for our grants to improve the trail. With that, you'll, you'll be more aware of what our plans are. We do a newsletter quarterly. And that gets sent out either by mail or by email. And then you'll know exactly what we're up to. You can come visit us here at our office in Uniondale, which is right on the trail. You'll pick up a map. You'll, you know, you'll get the latest. You can visit the store that is next to us, which seems like it's a good place where people either start, get on the trail in Simpson or Forest City, and they ride up the trail on their bike. They have lunch or breakfast here, and then they ride down. When you're riding back down, you're only keeping the momentum going. It's not a tough bike back. So we have a wonderful trailhead here to visit. We have a caboose that actually ran on the D&H, and we are restoring it. The outside is done. And now we're working on the inside, and we're working on some interpretive signage. So along the trail, you'll also see interpretive signage that tells you the history of the railroad. You'll see a bridge abutment and say, now, why is there a bridge abutment here in the middle, uh, sitting on the trail with no bridge on it? We interpret that. That's one of our goals, is to keep the history of the railroad alive. That's wonderful. And who said that you can't? have education while you're out there enjoying the outdoors and you don't even know you're doing it. Well, tell us once again, give us all the details, Lynn, about the uh, upcoming September. What is it? The date? We need that. We need how to get everybody involved. I'm just going to open up the microphone and let you go. Yes, the D&H Distance Run is back. It is our 12th annual. It skipped last year. And it's on September 12th. The race starts off at 9 o'clock. You can either sign up for the half marathon or you can sign up for a 5K, which will start at like 9.05. The best way to sign up is through Get Me Registered. Or you can go to our website, which is nepatrailtrails.org. And all the information is there about the race. There's a race brochure that gives you all the sponsorship information, uh, the water stop information, what you need to know. And we hope that people will sign up for this either 5K or half marathon because we are trail of the year for Pennsylvania. So we will have the D&H distance run and 5K shirt with the uh, Pennsylvania Trail of the Year logo. And if not, just get out here and enjoy the trail. You can get on the trail in Carbondale, Simpson, 
or a city, come up here to Uniondale and stop at our office, and we'll give you all the information you need about the trail and our, our plans for the future. I'm going to start calling you the, the mama of the trail of the year. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the DNH yes. Trail Mama. <laughs> Excellent. I've been working for a long time, and we are very happy to see so many people out enjoying the trail. You know, everybody says, well, how did COVID affect you? It actually got us more people out here. More people came to use the trail. We have trail counters. We had seen a 200% increase in trail use over the past year and a half. People know they can get out and they can be out in the outdoors in the fresh air and rarely see a whole lot of people. You just kind of pass a few people here and there. It's been wonderful. Thanks for listening to Special Edition. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 